Before we do this, can I share a story just because Steve brought it up? So I was with a guest speaker that we're having. Pastor Bobby's out. This is back a few weeks ago, probably a few months ago. And we were back in this uh, uh, two- and three-year-old classroom that was also Pastor Bobby's office. And so we were back there praying, and he walked in. It was Corne Becker, for those that know uh, Dr. Becker. He looked around. He said, this is Pastor Bobby's office? Right in the center was a, a sit and spin, for those that have kids. He said, and, what, and what's he do with this? I said, I think that he used that for prayer, but I'm not sure. So he took a picture of it. He did. And, uh, I don't know what happened to that picture, but I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share the word with you this morning. Pastor Bobby started last week a series, an I Am series. It covers seven messages, seven uh, descriptions that Jesus gave about himself. It's really profound. Uh, it's interesting. I think these are, these are all very simple pictures. Matter of fact, uh, as Pastor Bobby was going through those seven with us, uh, just to introduce it, I leaned over to my daughter and I said, uh, next week he asked me to preach uh, the door. And she said, what's there to say? You just open and close it. <laughs> so we may be getting out of here early today. It is. These are simple concepts. They're not difficult, and yet they say very profound, very profound descriptions about who Christ is and about who He came to be in our own lives. If you'll turn your Bibles to the book of John, the 10th chapter, Jesus gives two pictures, two illustrations. I want to focus on the second one, but let me read uh, both of them just for context this morning. Start in verse 1 of uh, chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Let me just stop there for a moment. There, there's two pictures there, a thief and a robber. A thief is one who would come when you're not around. It'd be the person that would break into your car while you're asleep. It's the person that would break into your home while, while you're off doing something else in the daytime. It's a thief that comes that way. A robber is differently. A robber is someone that's going to come right at you. He'll rob you with you watching him do it. And so the picture here is a thief and a robber, and it's, and it's a description of the Pharisees. And we'll go there in a moment, but I just want you to know who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders, and he's comparing them in a very offensive way to them as a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door, in verse 2, is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the, door, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. And then in verse 7 here, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Everybody say, I am the door. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. Again, he used the same picture. But the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. Will you say it again? I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You and I are worshipers. 
It may sound so simple, but it's really profound. You and I are true worshipers of God. We're not just admirers. We're not just those that would learn about Jesus' words and even describe ourselves as a follower. We are worshipers of the Lord. Do you know there's places in the world that you can be killed for being a worshiper of God? You and I are worshipers of Jesus. We worship Him. He is the eternal, uncreated, omnipotent, all-powerful. He's a creator, sustainer, and redeemer of this universe. He is one with God. He's one with the Father. And we're worshipers of Him. So the question is, well, what's that have to do with this set of Scripture? What's the very context for why Jesus said these words? If we went back to chapter 9, and I won't take time necessarily this morning to read through that, but let me just give you the context. Jesus and His disciples are out, as they often are, walking, teaching, uh, ministering to others. And there's a blind man. He's been born blind. And he is a, uh, he's a beggar. He has no way to earn money. So basically he begs. And he's been doing it every day of his life. And the disciples, I'm sure, have walked by, by him as well as obviously that community knows him very well. And they see him. And the disciples ask a question that's really a profound question that you and I often struggle with. And they say, why, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or was it because of the sin of his father, his mother? Well, it's the same question. You know, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to me? Why, why is this sickness on me? Why is this sickness on this other? We ask the same questions. And Jesus said it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his parents. It was so that the glory of God could be displayed through him. The power of God could be on display. The, the healing of God, the works of God can be on display. It's the very thing, same thing he would say to us, right? We weren't born necessarily blind, Physically, but spiritually, we're all born blind. When we asked Christ in our life, He came in. He transformed us. It's interesting as you read through this, the neighbors who had grown up around Him had seen Him every day begging, who probably gave Him uh, food, did, did not even recognize Him. The transformation was that profound. Same thing happens to us. Christ comes in, touches our heart, touches our life, transforms us. We're not the same people. And we are a living display of the reality of God. Everywhere we go, every person you talk to, every person you come in contact with, you are demonstrating the very reality of God. You're carriers of the glory of God. The Bible says we have this treasure in this earthen vessel, this, this clay, this fragile vessel. We have a treasure. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. We're carriers of that. We're carriers and demonstrations of God's glory. When we talk about being God's witness, it's not about the words that we say, although it can be part of that. It's about the life that we live with Christ living in us and through us, right? So, uh, so this transformation takes place. Their neighbors don't recognize him. They take him to the religious leaders. And what ensues is about 30 verses here, back and forth, 20 verses back and forth with the, the Pharisees on this man. They didn't believe him. They took him to his parents and said, is this really what happened? They don't believe his story. They don't believe Christ did it. They go back and forth and back and forth. And he describes it again and again. Tell us again. Tell us again what happened. Tell us again. And finally, he's fed up. And he says, why do you keep asking? Do you want to be followers too? And at that point, they excommunicate him. And you see kind of this progression of this man who, is, who has a clear, clear vision of who Christ is. He's experiencing it personally in his own life. And you see a, a division with the Pharisees who seem to become darker 
and darker in their clarity and picture of who Christ is. And so Jesus finds this man again. He begins to talk to him, and this man says to him, I believe. He said, Lord, I believe. And at that point, he worships him. And that's the context right there. A man that became a true worshiper of God. A Pharisee whose hearts are darkened and, and indifferent toward God. And, 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 and you know, it, this man has been blind all of his life. It's a, it, that's a point of incredible celebration. Instead of celebrating the work of God, they just want to put it out. Instead of honoring this man, celebrating with him. His life has just been radically transformed. They put him out. You see this division that happens, and then Jesus out of that place begins to share two pictures. First picture is a real generic picture. It's a picture of sheep, a shepherd, a sheepfold, robbers, thieves, strangers, and he kind of goes through this very generic picture in which he doesn't make it clear, but it is clear as you read it that he's the shepherd. And it's clear who the thieves and robbers were. Again, very offensive. And, and, and I know Pastor Bobby will take some time to kind of walk through a uh, sheep and a shepherd, I'm sure, in the future. So let me just kind of highlight this real quick again for context for us. Sheep are the most helpless creatures. Domestic animals are the most helpless animals that are out there. Basically, they feed all day. And they walk around with their head down, just wandering around eating. And so they easily get lost, and they have no homing signal. They have no GPS internally in them. You know, we have two cats, and our cats can be gone all day running and playing. They're outside cats, but they always find their way back home, always. Sheep can't do that. They cannot find their way home. Literally, if one sheep walks off a cliff, they're all just going to kind of keep their head down and go. Makes you feel good, doesn't it, that Scripture calls us sheep. They don't like running water. They're fearful of it. If they get in running water, they'll drown. If they are attacked, they do not defend themselves. Instead, they gather together, which makes them even more vulnerable. They're not even spreading out. They're just, come get us. We're all here. Once again, it makes you feel good, doesn't it, to be a sheep? But here's the thing. They're totally dependent on the, on the shepherd. Completely and utterly. Even to this day, if you go to the Middle East and there is a sheepfold uh, or, or an area where, where there are several flocks of sheep together, when it's time for the sheep to pull out, the shepherd will call his flock. And every one of those sheep will hear his voice, know that that is their shepherd, and follow him. No other sheep in that fold. It never gets confusing. They recognize the voice of the shepherd. And they're quick to follow that voice. He's always with them. And it's really, it's a picture of what Christ is saying. There are thieves and robbers out there. But there's one shepherd. There's one true shepherd. And, and it, it really, for all practical purposes, it's just a picture of Christ gathering his sheep to himself. So Scripture says in verse 6 that this was a figure of speech, and they didn't get it. They didn't understand. So then he takes another step and tries to make it a little more clear for them, and he gives them another picture. And this picture is a picture of the door. 
And in this picture, he calls himself a door. And at best, it sounds a little odd, right? Until you kind of understand the custom of that day and understand what he's saying. So this right here is a sheepfold, or at least an example of one that would be out in the countryside. In the city, it's a little different. But out in the countryside, in warm days, they would get out to, to, uh, to feed their flock. And a lot of times they'd be gone for several days. And so there would be sheepfolds, sometimes in circles and sometimes open like that. But they would be sheepfolds. They're just basically rocks piled up. And on top of that rocks, a lot of times they'll put thorns or, or, or different types of, uh, of deterrents. So a predator wouldn't jump across in the middle of the night, steal a sheep and pull it out. It's interesting that there is no door or gate. There's just an opening. And so the shepherd would at night lay down at the gates or in the way of the door. Literally, he becomes the door during the night. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, what he's saying is, I am that shepherd who stands at the door and gives access, gives exit. Nothing can come through this place unless it has to come through me. You can't get over the wall. You have to come through me. And that's the picture there. And so there's a couple clear clear uh, keys that I think I just want us to get. And again, these are obvious, but I just want us to catch them. First one is this, is that every sheephold there would have one door, have one way to get in and out. If you didn't get on that door, then you were outside for that night. Jesus is saying here, he's the only door. He's the only access. Pastor Bobby preached last week on I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's the same principle here, that he is the only door to salvation. And, and it's easy to amen it in here, but the reality is we live in a very pluralistic society that's okay with the idea of God, but as long as there's several ways to access God. If there are many ways to access God and everybody can find their own way, then it's okay. And really what we need is we need a boldness and a courage in us to be able to proclaim the reality there is one true way to the Father, and that's through the Son. He's the door, the only door, the only access point to the Father. It's what the disciples cried out for in uh, Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4. They had been under persecution, and they prayed out and said, Lord, give us courage, give us confidence. Give us confidence to preach who you are. And that's what our prayer is. It needs to be every day. Lord, give us confidence to proclaim the reality of who you are. That he is the door. He's not a door. He's the door. There's not many ways to Christ, to the Father. There's only one. It's through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The other idea here is, you know, there's lots of different types of doors. My wife and I, when we go for a walk or drive a lot of times, I don't know if you do this, but admire doors. You know, we like the look of doors and whether they're pretty or not, or this glass or that. There's just all types. There's plain doors, there's ornate doors, there are huge doors, there's small doors, there's solid doors, there are just all types of doors. And although they're fun to admire at times, that's not the purpose of the door. The purpose of the door is to enter in, right? You can build a beautiful house made of uh, all the rooms that you would deem as vital, Beautiful kitchen, gourmet kitchen, your movie room, your bedroom, everything you need. Notice how I said movie room before, bedroom, bathroom. 
But if you didn't build a door onto that house, it wouldn't be much good. We'd sit and look at it and say how wonderful it looks, how beautiful it looks. But until you have a door, you can't enter in and enjoy the benefits of that house. Doors are for entering in. So when Jesus describes himself as a door, he's saying, I am the access. I'm the access point to what, to what you need. I'm the access point to God. We can't just admire the door. We've got to enter in. The blind man who received his sight, he believed and then he worshipped. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to worship. It's one thing for us to acknowledge who Christ is and we believe in God. It's another thing to be a worshiper of God. Right? Romans 12.1 says that we have to offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him, for that is our spiritual act of worship. That's what God calls us to, a place of accessing that door, not just standing back and admiring it, not coming into church and enjoying it, but actually entering in ourselves in a very personal, intimate way, engaging the door, engaging Christ as an access point, the only access to the Father. Laying our lives down afresh as worshipers of Him. And it's a fine line. Too many of us ride that fence, if we're not careful, of enjoying the benefits and, and, and admiring God and learning from Him. And we can come into church and learn great principles. But if we're not worshipers, if we're not growing in our intimacy with the Father, if we're not growing in our heart of worship, if we're not living lives that are daily being laid down before Him, then we're not accessing what God calls us to access and being what God calls us to be. The picture the picture is a worshiper whose lives have been transformed, and He says to Him, He's doing the right thing. I'm the door, and he's accessed that door. That's the context there. It's you and I accessing that door. When we access, and I'll just spend the next few moments right here, and then we'll close. There's really three uh, different promises, purposes. One is salvation. The other is safety and security. The other is a satisfied soul. Here's what Scripture says, verse 9. He said, I'm the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, number one. I shall go out and I shall, uh, shall go in and out and find pasture, number two. Thief comes to kill, still destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Illustration, I think we've spent some time here, but the illustration of salvation is, uh, is such a great picture of the reason why he's there the promise. We enter in the door, we have salvation. We, we are saved. And we, when our twins were about six months old, maybe younger, we were living in Great Bridge, and we were visiting a family out here and having dinner with them. And as we were leaving, my wife had both, I don't know what I was carrying or what I was doing at the time, but she had both children in car seats. And because she didn't have a free hand, she put the keys down in one of the car seats put our daughter, Hannah Marie, in, in one side, closed the door, walked around the van, opened up, put the other child in there, Garrison, closed the door, and then walked back around to the keys, in which Hannah Marie picked up the car keys and bit them and locked herself in. Boom. They're locked in. This is probably the most determined I've ever seen in my life. She looked at me and she said, I'm going to break that glass. We had a new van. I said, just hang on. They're fine. 
Give me five minutes to figure this out before you start breaking apart the van, okay? Don't get that. All of a sudden, we lacked access. We lost our access to this, to our vehicle and the treasure that was inside that vehicle. We called the police. Police got there, looked around, children are fine, couldn't do anything. We had somebody come in with our keys from Great Bridge. They were driving from Great Bridge. We, they, we had the fire department. We, we called anybody and everyone. Finally, this guy pulls up. That was the roadside assistance guy. Pops out his little deal. Boom, we're in. Got to have the right person to give you access, right? Right? Lots of folks there to help, and I appreciate all the help. But you got to have the right person to gain salvation. We take this idea so lightly at times. We think about salvation. If everything was fine and we were okay, we would need a little advice every once in a while, maybe a little point of direction, a little affirmation we're doing good. But that's not the case. We're a people that need a rescue. We're a people that not only if we don't have Christ, we'll die. We're already dead in our sins. There is no hope apart from Christ. There is no idea or plan or other way to somehow get the hope that we need. There is no hope without Christ. The book of Ephesians says that we carry the wrath of God on us, but Christ came and he took that wrath on the cross. He took that condemnation for us on the cross. And now we access through him the Father, and we have a hope of salvation. And security of that too. So Christ calls us. He calls us into salvation. But more than that, He calls us into a place of security and safety. We'll go in and out and find pasture. You know, it's one thing to be in the fold and the protection of the fold, and that's wonderful. But we can't live in the fold. We've, we have to have... We, we have to have water. We have to have substance. We have to have food to eat. And, and, and the picture there is, is a freedom to come and go without any worry. If a city was under siege, it would go in and lock itself in the walls of the city and not leave. But when they were at peace, at rest, when a leader had order and law, then they can come and go and, and, and exchange goods and get what they needed. They could do all that thing without any worries or any concerns at all. And what Christ's saying here is, I'm that shepherd. No matter what chaos is going around you, no matter what things are good or bad, I'm the shepherd that leads you in and out, leads you to good pastures, leads you beside the still waters. I'm that shepherd that you can be safe and secure and at peace and at rest. We don't have to carry anxiousness. We don't have to carry worry. We don't have to worry about our future. The Bible says in Matthew, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added to you. Our focus is seeking him, accessing through him that place of safety and security and rest and peace that we can walk in. We don't carry anxiety. We don't carry fear. We don't, carry, we, we don't have to carry any of that stuff. But Christ took it for us. Right? Our future secure. Our present secure. 
our past, it's covered, it's secure. None of that stuff's going to rise up and bite us. It's under the blood, it's all clear, we're forgiven. We don't carry guilt and shame. We don't carry all that stuff anymore. We're not under condemnation anymore because Christ took it. So we walk in a place of peace and rest in our lives. This morning, if you're carrying anxiety, if you've allowed fear to control you, I want you to know today's a day of freedom for you. It is. Discouragement, depression, the Bible says he's a lifter of our heads. Today's a day of freedom for you. When you entered into that, to, to, through Christ, in, into the kingdom of God, when you entered into that, that, that sheepfold, when you entered in, you entered into a place of rest. You entered into a place of peace. And here's a great thing. He says, not only does he give us salvation, not only does he give us rest, security, but he gives us life. And not just life. He gives us life more abundantly. He gives us a life overflowing. He gives us a deep life, one of impact and influence. He gives us a joyful life. He wants just to survive and hang on till he comes back and just barely make it. He wants us to thrive. Psalms 1 says that, that we have leaves that will not wither, meaning whether there's a drought going on or whether there's springtime showers, our leaves do not wither. Whatever we do will prosper. Why? Because God calls us to a life of abundance. He created us to walk into a life of abundance. And we're not talking about material abundance. If God blesses us that way, great. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking abundant of spiritual life. An abundant of the love of God. It's the very thing that we worship about this morning when we say, Lord, we want more of you. What are we asking for? We're asking for more of God's power in and through our lives. We're asking for more of God's love being poured out over us. We're asking for more of God's mercy and grace. We're just crying, Lord, more of you, Lord. It's not a selfish prayer, although it can come across like that if we're not careful. It's a prayer of abundance. God's called us to a life of abundance. The, 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 the enemy out there, it's going to steal, kill, and destroy. It's going to want to come and take from you. It's going to take your peace. It's going to want to come take your joy. It's going to want to come and take possession. It's going to take and take and take all your dreams, all your purpose. Just pull it all out. Christ came just the opposite to supply all that. You need purpose? Lord, I want more of you. I'm not sure about the direction of my life. Lord, I want more of you. I'm just feeling uh, anxious. I don't know. I'm just carrying this stuff. Lord, I want more of you. It's an abundant life that he gives us. Not just a life, but a life more abundantly. I love the Psalms 23. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So our cup will overflow. It's not a life of ease. It's not a life without conflict. But even in the face of our enemy, God sets a cup in front of us that can't contain his blessings. It's just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. It's just overflowing. In any other religion, you're living a life of trying to earn God's favor. Every day of your life, you're saying, hope I didn't mess up. I hope I didn't do too many things wrong. hope I didn't do things right. hope I earned God's favor. You have God's favor. You're his child. There's nothing you need to earn from him. 
You don't have to earn his love today, you have it. You don't have to earn his joy today, you have it. You don't have to earn his provisions today, you have that. It's our point then to access it and walk in the fullness of what God created us to be and to walk in. He says, I'm the door. I'm the door of salvation. I'm the door of security, safety. And I'm, I'm the door of, of, of fulfillment, of a soul fully satisfied. Would you stand up with me? invite our prayer teams up. We have three prayer teams just stationed across the front here. The moment we close, if you need prayer today, they're here to pray with you. Maybe today you just come up and say, you know what, I, I don't know the Lord. I've admired Him from a distance. I've sat in church and learned about Him. But I've never accessed Him just want to encourage you today. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of abundant living. Today's the day of safety and security. Today's the day. If you say today, I've been walking with the Lord, but I need more boldness. I need more courage. Then these guys are here to pray with you. Like the early disciples. Sometimes we need a fresh touch from Him. Fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you just feel like, you know what, I just feel like I've been not living that abundant life. Whatever reason, just things of the world just kind of pressing in against me in a way that's stolen that abundant living from me. So these guys are here to pray with you. We'll just stand in agreement today. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of victory for you. Today's the day when that stuff can just fall off. And you can walk in the freedom of what God's called you. And let's just commit today to be what God's called us to be, which is true worshipers. And let's just commit today. It's not a one-time decision. It's growing in the fullness of what that means and is. Let's commit to lives that are laid down afresh before Him. And said, this is my life. This is it. Not half of it, not part of it. This is it. It's my life. And here's my spiritual act of worship right here by laying down my life before you. Thank you, Jesus. Steve, would you come up? Close us. Thank you, Pastor Brent. Thank you for that word. Would you join me? Um, the Lord has just laid a, a charge. To, to go forth today and uh, as a reminder of him I love that visual thank you Pastor Brent of, of the sheepfold and I just saw Jesus sitting there as the shepherd you know protecting guiding but at the same time loving and then we recognize his voice and so this morning uh, on that same token um these teams are here for you guys because we believe in the power of prayer. And I'll just reiterate that. Um, and we just open that up to you. But at the same time, the Lord just said this morning to me, uh, as I was listening, if you know me, on the way into work, uh, work, church, 
Um, just thinking of, I love music and I love praise music. And when one of the lines this morning uh, in the song actually said, may, may I love others with more than words. May I love them in action. So many times we say we, we love you, we'll pray for you, um, that we'll follow you, Jesus, that we'll really put our lives on the line for you, that we'll help that individual, that we'll pray for their salvation. And we get busy, and we don't. And so my charge to you this morning is to take this, to hear the shepherd's voice, as Pastor Brent said, that we really will, as a body, take this to heart and love others in action and in truth. So close with me. Father God, we praise you as King of kings, Lord of lords, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, there are those in here this morning that that life seems overwhelming and daunting. And Lord, we just lift them up to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Give them the peace that we prayed about this morning, the comfort and the safety of the sheepfold. Lord Jesus, as they're they're walking through life, sometimes running through life or feeling defeated, we we lift them up to you, Father. Embrace them in your arms, Abba. Grab them and hold them close. May they come forward this morning and and receive prayer, receive your presence from from someone who can pray for them and and help them in this time as we're supposed to genuinely love and pray for each other. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this body of believers that is gathered together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for being our door, our way, and the only way to you, Father. Thank you for the joy of your presence. May we bring that into our workplaces, into our homes, and love you, Father, and be that light into this world, to genuinely follow through on those action steps this week, to love in action, Father. Thank you. Thank you for living in each one of us. May we all go in peace in the name of Jesus Christ. You are dismissed. Thank you.